What's good, people? It is Sunday night, so you know what that means. The eight black hands are back in action. This time we're down one set of hands. We are missing our brother Sharif El Mekki, who is traveling the world, doing things that free black people do, taking his children to see things all over the place, other countries, other cultures. Uh, they're eating other foods and other languages. Free black children are roaming the world right now in the care of Sharif El Mekki. So he is with us in spirit, but he is not going to be with us here in body but i got my other two brothers here we got ray ray the ray podcast diddy the man the myth the legend the one who runs schools that do something illegal they teach black children to read <laughs> and we all know that that's illegal. I'm like, where is he going with that one <laughs> he knows he knows that that is about to be a problem because you can't be educating these children uh, we also got our brother in Chicago, uh, Dr. Charles Cole, the man, the myth, the legend. You can't venture, you can't gentrify this vibe. Uh, uh, okay. He's doing big things, whatnot. Okay. Uh, Let's do it. So and you can Chicago go to charles.com and order more if you want them, brother. They're there for y'all. So go, go ahead. Charlescole.com. Say it again. Charlescole.com. And you can get books and merchandise okay uh, go to citizenstuart.com uh, <laughs> and go to the store and you can get uh merchandise and become smarter and uh and ray you don't have ray's website well, next time i got you I ray say bro we, we don't know what your shirt's gonna be but we gotta do something with you soon I, man I, listen <laughs> well listen we had said we put out earlier this week we about to get canceled because i feel like we have been too uh comfortable for a long period of time now we've been doing shows you know uh we need more black sh more black schools we need more this we need more that blah 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 i feel like you can get in a rut sometimes and you can keep saying the same stuff over and over again and you start having like a narrative that develops out of it and what doesn't happen anymore after that is you don't get provocative anymore you don't you mm -hmm. stop saying the things that really do need to get said said so i said why don't we do a show and say all the stuff that we think that would get us canceled. Now, what was hard about that was when I started thinking about it, I was like, but damn, what haven't we said already? <laughs> like we have said lots of cancelable stuff. So the way I would like to start tonight's show off, I, I just want to say, first of all, we put it out to our, uh, to our family. We put it out on the internet and said, y'all send us the things that would get you canceled for saying. And it was interesting to me. Said a lot. Not everybody, it, it was a lot. People sent us a lot of stuff, but what was so interesting, I don't know which all response to it was, but it was a lot of stuff. It made me think, man, uh, people really are on edge of being canceled for things that they should just be able to say. Because a lot of what was sent to us wasn't stuff that was like rocket science in terms of being able to say it. But, uh, but people really are in precarious situations in their work life as teachers, educators, uh, administrators, uh, people who go up to the Capitol and have to deal with the politics of you know uh, trying to get policies passed or whatnot they got to be boy scouts and girl scouts they can't say half the stuff that we say on this show so anyways this is what we're gonna do we're gonna start with each one of us going through one of our own cancelable things and we'll start there but then we'll work through the audience's cancelable things that they sent to us because i think we can help them out by saying what they can't say in their day-to-day -day work somewhere there is a black woman who is teaching amongst other people who is thinking thoughts <laughs> that she can't say every day. Somewhere there is a black student or a black administrator that is thinking thoughts that only we would be able to say on this show. So that's what we're gonna do tonight. 
Let's start at the beginning, though. The, each one of us should say something that we think is cancelable for us even to say, if you have one. I want to see how far you could go with it. Push it. <laughs> Push it good. Listen, man. Well, Ray has been declaring this entire week that he is like, yeah, like I like the view from here. Uh, I'm going to chill, so I'll go first, Ray, to, to, to take some of that heat off. I don't know how cancel this is, but it's just truly how I feel, man. I, I think that you should use schools how they use you. I, I think that we are in a place where we have such emotional ties to these systems. And I've said this before. I do not love systems. I love people. And I think that you have to be I think we as a community need to be more business like, more business minded than emotionally minded when it comes to the education of our kids. And what do I mean by that? Schools are used as gateways to especially for black kids and brown kids to get to the next level of where they want to be. Um, and I think that a lot of times when our emotions get involved, we expect something that for these schools to be able to do that they just either haven't been able to do, won't do, can't do. But at the bottom line is they're not doing it for your kids. So, you know, I just think that like your kids are your most precious investment. You need to think of your kids in such terms. Um, stop falling in love with these buildings. Stop falling in love with this system. Um, and you should take charge as a parent of the values that matter to you. So whether you have religious values or non-religious values or whatever the case is, like you worry about instilling those things. I'm going to instill these things about stealing. I'm going to instill these things about telling the truth. I'm, I'm going to show my kid enough love, but I need my school to do X, Y, and Z, uh, regardless of, of, of the type of school it is. I, I, I really feel like both extremes, the extreme left and the extreme right are crazy. I, I feel like they are crazy. I think the extreme right was saying, you can't say this words, you can't do this. We're going to burn all these books or whatever. I think it's crazy. And I think the extreme left that is t making kids uh, pick certain things or, or make decisions to learn about things at six or seven years old is crazy too. I think that there, I think the majority of people live somewhere in the middle where they, some of their stuff may fall a little conservative. Some of that stuff may fall a little liberal. But these culture wars are using your kids as proxies, both sides of it. And I think that you need to find a way to protect you, yourself, your child. Uh, and I would say divorce yourself from it. But that might be cancelable to some people. I don't think it is. I think it's common sense. When you say yeah. the left side is crazy, too, tell me, tell me which... Give me an example of those. He's the egging me on, crazy. egging me on some stuff that he don't have to disavow. <laughs> but I, I do think I, I think that there have been I think there are conversations. I think there are conversations that we just shouldn't be engaging five, six, and seven year olds in. I, I actually think that it's a bit much. Uh, somebody actually wrote uh, that sometimes educators are starting to go a little too personal with with, with students, right? Like so, you know, if a, if an eight year old comes home talking about. Mrs. Such and such's boyfriend or Mrs. Such and such's partner and what's happening in their house or, you know, or their politics or whatever. I'm not mad if a parent doesn't really want that to be the conversation when y'all supposed to be finger painting. Right. Like and somebody said, well, you ain't finger painting at eight years old. You get the point of what I'm saying. Um, I, I think that that's I think that they're listen. Let's not act like extremes are not happening on both ends. I think there is a difference between saying, yo, slavery was a real thing. This happened and people got harmed and people did X, Y and Z. I think that's very different than saying, uh, here are my politics <laughs> to you, seven year old. And this is what's right. And these other people are wrong. And here's the thing. I've worked in schools. It happens. It does happen. I don't think it runs as rampant as the right would like you to think. 
But I do think it happens in some places. And those people put themselves online and show you that it happens. They do it on Twitter. But I don't want us. Twitter is not the majority. Twitter is not the real world on the right or the left. I think the majority of parents and the majority of people actually feel in the space in the middle uh, where they can actually see eye to eye on some of these things. Maybe not everything, but that's what I mean around both extremes are crazy. Yeah. So on the on the right side, they're going crazy with some of the culture war stuff. But wait, what is this? See, Everybody, see, I'm, I'm gonna get canceled from the from the comments. That's not going on in the vast majority. What did I just say? What did I, I just said that? I just said. <laughs> I think she's agreeing with you. No, no, I'm doing what this because yeah. I, I, you know what Ray got in trouble for this on one episode when like he was looking at the comments. I was in full. I was in a. Uh, Full screen, but he could see all the comments, and he was just arguing with the comments. I might argue with the comments today, but um, okay. yeah, man, but I don't think it's happening in the majority of schools. But I do think that Twitter, social media, Facebook groups, all this stuff that actually is becoming a lot more prevalent is making it feel like it's happening in a lot more places. And I think that is giving other people license to start doing those things in those schools. And I think that's a problem. Yeah, I think uh, I'm gonna go to you, Ray. But before I do, I just want to say. I think that when we talk about the culture war stuff, we don't pay attention to the fact that uh, that there's red counties and there's blue cities and they don't like what the other ones got going on. And I think right. that's where a lot of the war comes from, because I live I don't live in a blue city. Right? right. So a lot of stuff that people talk about is I'm having the other problem. Right. In, mm. in my schools, in terms of the the, the things that would make me nervous or, or make me want to be concerned about it or whatnot. So I get what you're saying. It's happening on both ends, but just in different places. Right. And people in, you know, rural areas tend to not love the city, whatever city it is. You know, if you're in California, you live in a rural area, you know, places like Oakland and LA or whatnot got something different going on in Minnesota, the twin cities have something going on that's different than the rest of the state. And it creates cultural antagonism between those two places. So, all right, Ray, what's your cancelable offense, sir? I mean, I don't necessarily know that it's cancelable, but, you know, it, for me, it's common sense practical. So what I'll say is this, right? Uh, prior to Brown v. Board of Education, uh, we had a robust Black teachers union, right? We had a Black teachers union that fought for the interests of Black teachers. Um, Post-Brown, uh, I'm sure that there were some promises that were made in order for that union to dissolve. Uh, those those promises never came to fruition, and here we are now. Um and so pretty concerned because, you know, when you think and, and folks talk about slavery, shout out slavery reparations, right? I want folks to start talking about reparations post-Brown because we lost a lot of black, uh, a, a lot of black capital, um, a lot of black uh, cultural capital uh, in terms of just educators, right? You had principals that turned into custodians, right? You had um, highly esteemed highly credentialed black teachers that were overlooked by white teachers that weren't as credentialed, right? And so, you know, generations suffer from that because like, think about it. If you had teachers that were able to teach for generations and provide for their families the way that they would have been able to provide for their families had Brown never existed, um, then their families would have been better off. And mm -hmm. so let's start talking about reparations for those families in terms of like what, how well off they would have been if those principles would have still been allowed to be principles, right? Um, and then, you know, I, I think circle uh, post-Brown, I don't, I personally don't see the results 
that many folks probably thought were going to happen from Brown. And so, you know, I, I'm very troubled by it. Um, and I'm also troubled by the way that these white unions, let's be clear, because 80% of teaching is white women. So let's be very clear about that. And so when there's a strike or when there's something that happens, right, the people that you see on the front lines, you don't see 80% of white women on the front lines. You see the black folks and the brown folks on the front line. And it would make you think, it would make you think that that number was reversed. You would be thinking that 80% of the folks that, 80% of the folks that are teaching are black and brown based off of who you see on the front line. And so that's where I'm at. That's the energy that I'm on. Uh, I know some folks that follow me are, are, are like pro-union uh, all the time. Because all they do is talk this union, union, union shit. But these, I'm sorry, I've been watching British shows. Shite is what we're going with. <laughs> Shite. Right? But these unions, don't give, these, hey, these unions don't give two about y'all. And, and, and the sooner y'all realize that, and the sooner y'all, it's, it's, the sooner y'all start thinking about black teachers unions again, because I'm not anti-collective bargaining. I just think that the interests of black folks are totally different from some of the interests of white folks. And I had a unionist say to me today, well, when you put it that way, you're union busting. No, the hell I'm not. I'm pro-black and I'm pro-union. But I just want black folks to advocate for the things that are going to be their truth and not the truth of everybody else's because everybody else has already capitalized off the backs of blacks. Woo. All right. Well, let me make that one a little bit more cancelable. <laughs> let me twist the. Let me just twist the knife on this one. And Ray, look at the notes when you get a chance in the. Uh, um, look at the private chat. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah. Well, I just I I, I dropped in a link that I want to pull up uh, uh, an article for us to take a quick look at. So y'all know that we just had this teacher strikes in many in Minneapolis. We talked about it on a couple of shows ago, and it's funny because when I put out this you know, what are cancelable things? Somebody wrote to me from Oakland, someone that you know, Charles, wrote to me from Oakland saying, what the public often doesn't know about is that the paras and the unions that have the most black uh, people in education in them get brought out on the front lines when teachers are striking and teachers are looking for more money. And they're used as kind of like human shields because those are the lowest paid in all of the education world. And then the teachers usually get what they want but the paras and the others get like crumbs, even though they're the human shields that the white women unions put out in front of them to say, we're doing this for justice and people of color. Well, now that our strike is over here in Minneapolis, the uh, teachers of color that were put out on the front line to say that, uh, you know, that this was about social justice and our teachers were very low paid or whatnot, were exactly, they are now coming out to say exactly what we all knew. They were being used as human shields by the white women teachers union who are made up of mostly suburban white women who drive into Minneapolis every day to collect a paycheck to take that paycheck back to their suburbs where their kids have been in school continuously, even as the children, the poor children of Minneapolis were out of school because their teachers were striking. Those women were using the para unions to put in front of them to say, this is about social justice and racist justice and a fight against uh, patriarchy and white supremacy and blah, 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 all this stuff. Now that the strike is over, those teachers of color are basically saying, and, and paras and others of color are saying, w- they wouldn't listen to us. They kept removing us from 
the negotiations. They put us when we would ask them where our stuff was in the negotiations, they kept calling us union busters and kept shutting us down yeah. and telling yep. us that we were like we were working with the enemy just for asking the question of why did you take our stuff out of the negotiations, right? So it's your point, Ray, when there used to be black teachers unions, you don't have to worry about that sort of thing, right? You didn't you you had some collective power as people of color. But now when in 1954, it was the Black Teachers Union that warned the NAACP not to do what they were doing. They said, we want, de we want to desegregate the dollars. We don't want to desegregate necessarily the schools. And they warned them not to do it because we're going to lose our power. And what happened? They lost, lost all their, their power. power by joining the main union. They lost all their power. Now I'm going to double down and make it even worse, just a little bit more cancelable. Because I don't think you put enough cancelable salt on it. <laughs> just let me salt it even worse. The teachers that we lost in 1954, though a lot of those teachers had better credentials than the white teachers. Some of Absolutely. them were PhDs, and most yep. of them had had more advanced degrees than the white teachers did at the time. Mm -hmm. That is not who became our teachers of color and our black teachers after 1954. When the union started growing their own black teachers through the para ranks. So that they could get kind of like, you know, <laughs> you want to create your own unionist, your own future unionist or whatnot. They created a different kind of teacher, mm -hmm. which is why they hate alternative programs so badly now is because they want to control the process of what kind of black teachers even they get in the ranks now, which is why. And this is the cancelable offense. Many of our black teachers sound exactly like our white teachers when it comes to all these issues. Let's the, re go the reason that many of them sound exactly like the white teachers is because they are being grown. Al Shanker knew after 1968, Al Shanker said we should start growing our own teachers of color, our own black teachers through the para ranks, meaning the lesser qualified, not the Ph.D. teachers that we had before, not the master's degree teachers that we had before, not the community focused, very smart, high, bright and talented ones, but the ones from the lower ranks. That's going to sound classes. I'm sticking with it. Um, you know, anyways, do y'all want to respond to that? Yo, or do you want me yeah, to just I, let it go? I, I, I do uh, 100%. Because, like, yeah. you know, it, it goes, I can jump goes, in on there too. Go ahead, Ray. I got you. <laughs> it, it, go, it goes to your ethos when, you, when you're like, uh, educated folks are killing us, right? Like, it go, it plays educated right Negroes that, are killing us. It plays right into that narrative, bro. Because, like, here's the thing, right? If you have folks that are from the community, that love the community, and that uh, know what it is to struggle in the community, right? Then they're going to be more invest invested in the community. They're going to be more invested in, in uplifting and bringing folks up to where they are, right? Because like a lot of folks that are on these PhD levels, these master's levels and whatnot, that's the folks that are in these classrooms talking that chike, talking about, you got to get what I got. I already got this, right? I already got this degree. You got to get yeah. where you, and those are the people that are, that are, that are out I here. I get paid doing. whether you learn or not. Exactly. The, yes. the, I mean, you know, and, you, oh, go ahead. I, I am at. Go ahead. No, Ralph, go, ahead go ahead. Go ahead, Charles. Charles no, go ahead. Just, but the funny thing is, is that all the teachers in my life that said that, and it's been said many times to me, uh, they were all black teachers. I've, I've yes. never heard a white teacher never told me that. It's always been black teachers that have said that to me. Well, I get paid whether your little ass learn or not right now. So what are we doing, right? Um, so I mean, but but you know, again though, right? You talk about getting canceled. Let me let me take some of that shine off. Uh, I got you, Ray. It, it ain't gonna be you, brother. It's gonna be me today, man. Um, uh, but parents and community members, you're not powerless in this. See, we're talking about this system, and what's gonna happen is we're gonna get a lot of this from the church choir, right? But it's like, no, no, no. 
there was a time when our communities used to run our communities, right? Like we have more technology at our hands right now than ever before in history. We can, we learning how to code and do a whole bunch of stuff on TV and, and, and I mean, on the internet and, and there is nothing stopping us from taking back our community, taking back the educational narrative that was once there. The Black Panthers educated full communities with way less than what we got. And they had the CIA and the FBI running down their heads and pulling guns and stuff on them. What's our excuse? We're so comfortable right now in today's America that many of the issues that you see on Twitter are issues that are either overblown or have been taken and blown up by some people that ain't got no real problems. So, I mean, if we're going to talk about it, look, I'm just going to make everybody hate me today. If these are your kids and this is your community, at the end of the day, who's really responsible? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay, so that leads that dovetails very nicely into my cancelable one. <laughs> 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 so y'all want to hear mine? Yeah. Mine is where where Charles just left off. Mine is that uh, Bill Cosby was right, and the only reason we oh, don't shit. say Joe is because he was a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> if he weren't a rapist, we would we would say Bill Cosby was right. That pound cake speech. That Man. I have even derided myself as some some uh, disrespectful respectability politics nonsense had some kernels of eternal truths in them, which is he was basically saying, we're not all holding up to our ends of the bargain. I remember him saying something like that. And the parenting piece of it uh, uh, is a big part of it. Right. <laughs> and, and and if if parents and communities and black folks we're doing everything that they should be doing for their own children. The fact that the, the schools are not perfect would be way less of a problem for us. But the problem is we have so many of these conversations that don't in, involve, like people are writing a parent's bill of rights in different states, but they're not writing a parent's bill of responsibilities, right? We act as if there's no such thing as par parental responsibility and like kids are completely untethered. I don't know that that's good for us in the long run to keep doing that. I mean, I, I agree that Bill was a rapist <laughs> and that's not the best place to get your advice, but he wasn't all wrong when he was talking about the fact that you got kids wiling out. You have teachers right now that are, are basically whispering that they're quitting because behavior is so off the hook right now, so off the chain. And I know what we're going to say when I bring that up. I know what we're going to say. Oh, my God. But you're just supposed to have more engaging lessons. You're supposed to just do magic in the classroom. You're supposed we to just, We ain't going to say you know, that. You're just supposed to do, you know, like do. But you're never going to say kids should be accountable for anything. Their parents should be accountable for anything. They're, and you know what that does for the people who are accountable for their children? What they will do, even if they agree with you, uh, publicly, privately, what they be saying to themselves is, I'm handling my business, so y'all can keep crying about that shit y'all got going on if you want to. But I'm handling mine. So, you go ahead. You, If you want to be an entire whole-ass people that never is accountable for your own stuff, but can find a way to make everybody else accountable for anything that's going wrong with you or whatnot, go for it. But that's not the way so many other groups are seeing the problem. Anyways, cancel me now. Bro, ain't nobody canceling you for that, right? And so growing up, you know, we, we kind of grew up in, in in the same types of spaces or whatever, right? But, like, I, I remember, like, this whole a village, it takes a village to raise a child. 
And so when I got in trouble at school or when I did something uh, I wasn't supposed to be doing at school, I had to hear from everybody on my block. Right. And so, you know, you know, it, it, things are different now. I'm not I'm not. Uh, Have either of y'all caught a whooping from someone who wasn't I, your parent? Absolutely. When I tell you when I tell you like on West 29th Street in Covington, Louisiana, um, it was at least six houses, six <laughs> houses of my and and and, and I, I done caught it from 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 at least three uncles on the block for something that I've done at school, right? Like, I, and 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 I'm not advocating for anybody to be beating on their kids or doing anything like that. I think going through that made me a better parent, made me be able to like rationalize with my kids, be be able to teach them uh, things that were never taught to me. So I'm not saying that that's what folks should be doing, but what I'm saying is it made me think twice about the things that I was doing at school because I know that when I got home, some kind of way, even though it may not have been the way that I thought was best or the way that I think best now as a parent, I was going to be held accountable by black men in my family that were, that maybe not even on, weren't weren't even the the best of readers, barely got through high school, but they wanted more for me. And so they were like, yo, I acted like this in school, but I'll be damned if you're going to act like this in school, you're going to get through this. See, and, and we talk about surveillance capitalism often, but we don't talk about the fact that there were times that by the time I got home, my grandmother knew half of what I did wrong that day. Oh, yeah. right. Because oh, yeah. there was a black system of surveillance. <laughs> that yes. Yes. My grandmother would ask me leading questions that let me know that she knew something that I did. You know, Fact. tell me about what happened at such and such today. Oh, hell, here we go. Whose mama, auntie, or a cousin, or whatever, then told on me whatnot. But there was some, had, you know, some Chris, village. Chris, we we had black, we had black teachers that were in the community. We had black teachers that were in the church, and Bruh. so you know, just like how colleagues were going into the teachers' lounge talking about what so and so did in class, you had black teachers in there that was taking mental notes. They're like, okay, yeah. well, you know, we're gonna now talk about this to sister normally in the church to let her know what her grandson is doing. And I used to get my ass tore up. Because I was doing something I had no business doing, Canceled. and I had to, and I had to own it, right? I had to own it. Hey, bro, I did it. <laughs> yeah, man. You, y'all, y'all. I mean, but we just listen, bro. You can, and and we we've had this conversation before. I'm usually the one getting yelled at about making them take, so I'm glad that Ray said it, though. I mean, but like, look, man, like we got we. It's clear we got more resources than our parents had. We have. You know what I'm saying? More more information, more knowledge and all that good stuff, man. But like you keep here's another truth that people don't want to say. A lot of your kids teachers care more about themselves feeling good and going easy on your kid uh, to make them like them as opposed to actually doing their job and educating. You do not. You being an educator does not mean you need to be like 24 seven. And yeah. if. Something happened to you in high school or college where you wasn't popular, so you became a teacher to have kids as friends. That's a yeah. different type of issue. But I need my kids to know how to read and do math. I need my I need you to do your job. And so I remember working. I was seen as this bad dude. Listen, man, kids are not angels all the time. I was. I, I, they are not angels all the time. And guess what? If I know I got some uber sympathetic white lady or or young black teacher or whatever that's going to give me whatever I want, that I can like give them a sob story, I'm going to do that. And I'm going to play you like a fiddle. See, this is why you need black men and black women like from the community in that school that can give you that eye and be like, 
You got some home training. See, you I don't think that's go. all of it, though, just in that. Like, no, like, no, 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 Chris. That, hey, that, black, hey, that, black, that black savior complex piece? That's yes. Real. These, kids, these real. kids These kids are so poor. They so hungry yeah. that they can't learn. Listen, bro, for three no, years. That part, that's wrong. For but three what years. Is, none of this advice, I think, actually. Listen, we have a lot of teachers that watch this show. Mm-hmm. We have yeah. a lot of teachers yeah. that listen to us. And they're in a lot of different circumstances. Absolutely. So tomorrow they're gonna they're gonna go into a classroom tomorrow after watching this tonight, and they're gonna be in many different circumstances. There's gonna be some that have been told, "Don't smile until Christmas," right? That's your strategy. Be mean okay. until Christmas. Be firm until I'm Christmas. Not, yeah. There's some that are gonna be like build relationships. There's gonna be some that told be relatable. There's gonna be some that like, use hip hop or there's gonna be use humor. But they're gonna they're gonna get all these different advices, and from year to year to year to year, they're gonna try different ones of them, and they're gonna still have badass kids that don't wanna don't wanna yeah. or do anything that, in any fact. environment yeah. or whatnot. So then when when we start talking, they're gonna be like, y'all could keep talking that nonsense if you want to. Y'all don't know the real what's going on in our classrooms. These kids don't want to learn nothing. In some cases, hey, and, and, and no, some don't. You know, you know. Hey, wait, 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 hold on. Come so, on now. So, so let me finish my point, right? So, so in yeah. finishing that point, like what I'm saying is, is that some will take advantage of you. Like some will. I tell people to build relationships. I also tell them the first thing to do is to get really good at your job to make sure you actually <laughs> understand the content. Here's what I mean by that. If my age from going to Emory High School should not be two levels below a school in a middle class or higher class neighborhood because you felt bad for students or better yet, because you didn't know the damn material that you were teaching. Like, let's again, man, we have dumbed down education so much in this country that it is like, Mm. tell me a parent. And I know it's starting to happen a lot. But most parents want their kids to do good on tests. Most parents will brag if their kid is on the honor roll. Most parents will brag if their kid do, does well on the state testing. But all you hear on social media, all you hear on the Internet, well, this is racist, this is racist. Everything around us is racist. Racism is a part of all of this stuff. But what I don't believe is the dumbing down because you feel I don't need you to sympathize for me as an educator. I need you to educate me. If you really care about my well-being, make sure I know the things that I need to know. Man, some of y'all need to go watch a Rocky movie and, and, and look at, you know, at Rocky's coach, man. You better you better punch this meat, bro, because somebody's going to punch you back in a minute. And the world, listen, man, the world don't care that you are a black boy that's 15 years old. At When you that age, they want to hear your story. But if you're a 35-year-old bum, they step right over you, man. Ask me how I know. I grew up in Oakland, California, where it's a lot of homeless people that people stepping over. All I'm saying is you, we have to maintain a modicum of, of quality that we expect our child to get and not get so caught up in the emotion of it all. Like, But let's be very clear, Chris. There are good kids in classrooms that are listening and there's kids that's like disrupting, disrupting, disrupting. I'm going to be so real with you, bro, because I worked in these places. Them good kids want you to kick them bad kids out that damn classroom. They do. They do. Hey, they really do. Hey, hey, they hey, do. Let me, hey, let me really get canceled. Do. Let me go ahead and get, let me get canceled. So here's what I'm going to say, right? There is an Angelina Jolie movie, right? I don't know the name of this movie, but folks, of you out here, this, uh, use this, this quote right here. Kill one, save a thousand. And so in this movie, she's like shooting sideways, bullet scoring, all kind of oh, crazy, crazy shit. But kill one, save a thousand most resonated for me because if administrators looked at it from that perspective of the sense that, you know what, we're not going to let one person that's behaving 
like a maniac, ruin the education of the other 30 kids in this classroom. We're going to get this person where they want to be because clearly they don't want to be at school. And I know a lot of folks out here like, that's that zero tolerance stuff. No, hell no. That's me worrying about 29 other kids that have came to school with the right attitude that want to learn. And, and what if so you have five we, of those kids or seven of if, those kids? If you, if you, if you, you try to spread them out as best you can, Chris. But if you, if you, you know, mm. for us to put this focus on on this one kid and put all this energy into, and I'm not saying that these kids don't need energy. Absolutely. I'm not saying that these kids. I'm not saying that these kids don't come from traumatic situations. I'm not saying that these kids can't be saved. I'm not saying that. But if you're no. putting this energy into these kids, you're doing everything that you can as a black man, as educators, and you're trying to get through to these kids and you just can't get through to them, it's like, at what point are you going to say, damn, I got to protect the rest of these kids? You know what, though? Like 90% of our advocacy is for the kids, though, that are disruptive. Yes. Well, there's a reason for that, though. 90% of our, like, energy and love and respect and everything goes to the kids that are not there to get educated, not the kids that they're, they're disrupting and beating up. Well, I got two points on that. So to answer Let's to hear it. So one, and this is I built energy converters around this. There's two groups of students that actually get the most attention. Right. First, it is those kids that DFs uh, behavioral issues because they're they're the biggest at chance of not coming to school. They're the biggest at leaving, cutting and hurting ADA funds. So that's why we have a police. That's why we have truancy police to make sure you go to school. But two. It's those really, really high achieving students that this is what the school and teachers lay all lay bricks on and say, I'm a good. They take all the credit for those kids like they did all of that. Right. But there, if you are a C or B student and you just kind of in the middle and you don't really get in trouble, you can go four years without seeing a counselor. You can go four years because we don't really need to put a lot of like pressure and attention there. But two, let's be very clear on this bad thing. And I'm going to speak for me. And, and I'll, I'll say about there were times when I was bad in the classroom and I. Don't nobody love me more than me. I love me. I love me some me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Mr. Brown, and I've told you all about him. He's retiring this year. I was an asshole in this class. I was homeless. My parents was on dope. I was, you know, I still had the accent and, and I didn't want to, you know, try not to get in fights and all that stuff. But he was like, hey, man, Cole, you got to get out for a minute. Then he came back. He had me come back after class. He said, hey, man, you been, you an asshole. I said, what? He's <laughs> like, hey, you being an asshole. And he was like, I'm not going to let you disrupt this class because you hurting. He said, look, I know where your parents are. I know what they came from. And you ain't got to do that. But you got some sense. I know you got some damn sense. And you're going to have some sense in my class or you won't be in my class. See, people will only take the part where we said that some kids are acting bad. Try to run with that and do some old white savior bullshit. No, man. Or black savior. Or black savior. Well, which is rude and something else. But yeah, man, like. What I'm saying is, yeah, is that again, class, right? it's the extremes, right? It's the, ex it's the extremes that I am having an issue with. Don't be this person that just feels like kid black kids can't learn if they poor or because they didn't grow up in the same place you grew up in. But also don't be that person saying, well, F all them kids. I don't like none of these kids. I'm here to get this paycheck. Like, again. Yeah, it's a lot of them, too. It's a lot of them, too. Like, it's, a lot, it's a lot of folks that don't, that, that are, you know, I, I feel like here's where teaching goes wrong, right? when you look at it as if it's a job and you don't look at it as if it's a career. Or it a is a job for some people though. Listen, it is but, a if job. A, but, but if it's a job for you, then if you're not doing your job, you can lose your job. Right. And so you and, about and, to and, lose and, your job. 
you can lose your job. But like with, with folks that go into this, like, yo, this is my career and I'm going to do this because this is what my calling is. Then you're going to get better performance from them folks. You're going to get more investment from them folks. Man, but if you're just looking at this like it's a job, then shit, you can go and work anywhere. Why you want to even put that on kids? Mm-hmm. Because it's an easy job that I can't get fired well, I from. Shift. I mean, not easy, but people don't get mad about that. But like, it's a job. If I can't get fired from it and I can show up and be mediocre and I can get oh, that check. Oh, but you can. Oh, if you if you rocking with the right people, you okay. can get What? Go ahead, Chris. Jump on in, brother, before we cancel oh. ourselves. Go ahead. I, so... I want to jump to the ones that we crowdsource as we do, because as we close this segment of our own, I will just say my cancelable bow tie on this discussion that we just had is that parenting is the one job in America that you can't be fired from, even when you're doing the worst possible crappy job that there is. You can. So we talk a lot about we, we talk a lot. Of, you can in extreme circumstances. But I was a social do, worker. I had to take kids away sometimes, but can, I got you. I know what you mean. You you could stand on it if you want to, but you didn't do it all the time. You didn't do it as mm-hmm. many. I mean, listen, <laughs> the number of kids that are actually in 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 uh, crappy parental situations where they're not being taken away is bigger than the number that are in classrooms with teachers that just aren't doing their job. Right. That's that's my cancelable offense here right now. Your home <laughs> is a school. Your 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 your, fir- your child's first teacher. What is your pedagogy? Your home is a school. What is your pedagogy? What are, what are your materials? What do you have in your house? That was in the pound cake speech too. You got a $100, $200, $300 pair of shoes, but you got no phonics, right? But you're the first teacher. It is a race. You are in a race with other people. Those other people are really trying to clean your clock. They would love for you to be lazy or ignorant or not do your job because that means that your kids are going to work for theirs. Or if they don't work for them, they're going to work for them in an indirect way like their kids, they're going to run prisons. They're going to run aftercare facilities or nonprofits where they still profit off of you in some way, shape or form. So they, they would love for you to be bad teachers and have your home be a bad school. And many of y'all playing along. Cancel me if you want to. But Bro, everybody, ain't, everybody ain't meant to, to procreate. <laughs> Yo, there's mean, no licensing. As, there's no licensing. Far, you have to have a license as, to drive as, a car. As, you have a license. You have to have as, a license as, to fish. Bro. As you know, horrible as that sounds, right? It like, sounds think about it. Think, think about it like this: If I'm in a neighborhood, like the neighborhoods that I've lived in, right, and I have a dude in my neighborhood that is in and out of prison and has been in and out of prison because of society, because of bad choices, because of whatever, right? And you know that this person has a propensity to go back and forth to prison, but yet. This is the person that you have decided that you want to love for the rest of your life. And this is the person that you're putting all your eggs in this basket to the point to where you become impregnated by this man who is now going to be in this penile system for the rest of his life. That is going to bring you through it, your kids through it and all this other shit. Like, I just don't understand how that is good sound judgment. Cancel me if you want. Cancel. Cancel. (laughs) Boom. Cancel. (laughs) You. You shall go forth and be jobless from this point forward. It looks like, anyway. it look like, look like it's some folks trying to uh, direct the show from the comments. Uh, but uh, go ahead and get, get, get into your... All right. <laughs> listen, so we did ask people outside of us, what did they think? Uh, so I want to throw it out to you, brothers. You saw all the, the feedback that we got from things. Yeah. People sent us things, not that would get us canceled, but they feel like they would be 
in bad situations if they verbalized things that they were thinking. So that's what they sent us. A lot of it I looked at and I went, damn, you would really get canceled for saying some of these things that don't seem like that big of a problem. But when you looked through them, I'll ask each of you, like, what's one that you feel like either resonated with you or that you can pick up on and you can be their, you could be their mouthpiece. You can say the thing that they couldn't say uh, um, for them. Yeah, I, I, I mean, one that I saw, I mean, it just kind of made me sad. But uh, <laughs> what you said, I think a lot of why it make you sad? Say, say why it made you sad. I just don't, I, I'm just, I'm just, why can't you say that? You know what I mean? Like, if you can't tell the truth uh, around the lives of our kids and our babies, then I mean, what we, I, I just feel like on Twitter and, and some of the people that we follow and that follow us be the same people that talk about revolution and talk about, I am my ancestors. I, you will catch these hands, but you scared to tell the <laughs> truth and speak it to power. But I do appreciate the comments and it just makes me sad that they don't feel comfortable saying these, but um, I agree with this one. I think it said, uh, I think a lot of teachers like to be able to complain. So they make more work for themselves than necessary, or they stop giving the F and do absolutely nothing. They do lectures and worksheets. I've seen that happen too, right? Like if they can't center themselves as being like this victim in this thing, again, some of these people you will listen to and it'll be like, these nine-year-olds is bullying me. Well, listen, man. If you can't pick up a hammer, you shouldn't be a contractor, pimp. I don't know what to tell you. So, like, if 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 this ain't your calling, you know what I'm saying? If if you just frustrated to that point and, and you need to go do something else, then then you I guess you gotta go do something else. But the fact that you can't talk about it, the fact that somebody can't say, as your boss, this is what my expectation is for your classroom, and it not be a, a suable offense, or you go to the union and the union rewrite the rules and say a principal can't step in a teacher's class and critique in the first three weeks. That exists out there. You feel me? So that was one that I saw, and I just felt bad that this person felt that they couldn't share that in open air. Without fear. Without fear. Without yeah, fear. they can share it. Yeah. So why why you laughing, Ray? Hey, hey, because hey, it it, it resonates, man. But like, I I feel like, and you touched on this earlier. I feel like we get a good deal. We have a good deal of freedom. I feel like we're freedom fighters to an extent because, like, we say what the hell we want to say with the you know. And and Reef talks about this all the time. Shout out Reef. Um, it's like when you go into these jobs, you need to go into these jobs. Like, it doesn't matter if you're gonna get fired or whatever because you have the skills and the ability to land on your feet and get another job. And you know, your job is to tell the truth. And so if we're not telling the truth, then what are we really doing? Right. And so I think one of the things that most resonated for me on folks' list was um white teachers get to be mediocre and still keep their jobs. And if that ain't the goddamn truth, mm-hmm. I have not seen truth like this. Like you will go into a school and you know, 80% of the teachers in the school are white and they are terrible. <laughs> and then you go into you, you you go you go but but all you hear about is the black teacher that is having classroom management issues. I'm like, well damn, it, it's like 20 of them that's having classroom management issues, and all you want to talk about is the black teacher that's having classroom management issues, and it's because you have these expectations for black people that are around black kids, and you're like, well, ain't no way if you're black, then you're supposed to be able to have you you're supposed to be able to manage these kids. They they look like you, right? And so like it's these expectations that we have on 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 black teachers that are not the same that we have on mediocre whiteness 
Right. I mean, but listen, again, I went to a bunch of schools. The vast majority, all my schools that I went to were majority black educators. All of them. Talk about it. Talk all about of them. It. Talk like I had it. black teachers. And yeah. I, I mean, listen, I want us to have more black educators. I want us to have more black leaders. Hell, I did the report on it. Right. Like, I think it actually makes a big very good report. Very good. report. Thank you. I appreciate that. And and and, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of us that don't see that same kind of stuff in ourselves. There's a lot of us that's like. Listen, man, it, 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 this is a bigger issue. It's not just being black alone don't don't have um, uh, being black alone just ain't enough. You feel me? But I get your point. There is some unfairness that happens for that black educator that's in that environment, because I know, especially for black men, they just send them all the black kids, especially the black boys, and then judge them off their performance. But here's the other thing, man. I had a friend. I get, you know, a lot of people send me stuff from social work, education, whatever. But it's, I get a lot of single moms that send me stuff. And somebody sent me something today. This is no lie. And somebody sent her a picture of her son holding a, holding a gun on his social media, right? And he's still in high school. And we had to have a different type of conversation, right? Because now, I don't know what that system doing. Now we're having a different talk. I'm like, yo, she has advice. I said, you better be looking at boot camps. Look at somewhere that you can send this person. Like, now we're talking about saving your son's life. Like, again, everybody got blood on their hands in the demise of our communities and what needs to happen. That's not, I don't blame this mom. Yeah. I don't, it ain't yeah, a, but yeah. we pass blame. See, this, this is what yeah. Twitter and social media do. It's all about blame. We're going to blame the teachers. We're going to blame the system. We're going to blame the, whatever, right? Like, nah, man. Now we're talking about saving a young black boy's life or saving somebody else's life before he shoots somebody trying to be cool. So, yeah, man, it's about to take some tough love. And I know I got some single moms out there. I know I got some black moms that especially struggling with their black sons or their black daughters. And they just like, I can't get a handle on this kid. I can't do whatever. And I'm going to tell you, you do whatever you can to save your kid's life. And because you can blame whoever the hell you want, but that ain't going to bring nobody back. So we all got blood on our hands. How many people am I mentoring? How many people you mentoring? How many, if you are that black dad in the community and your friend got a bunch of, you know, got a bunch of friends and they ain't got nobody there, then, hey, invite them on some trips every now and then. Let them see what that structure is. You know what I mean? Like, you got to put that in their life. So I didn't mean to go on and drone on about that, but that's something personal from somebody that I care about and I feel somewhat helpless. But I'm just like, yo, you got to do what you got to do. I mean, what what resonates out of that to me relates to a point that we have made that or that I made earlier. The blame is one thing and there's enough of it to go around. But the responsibility is like the hardest thing for adults. Adults, no adults like to be accountable or responsible in whatever lane they're in. So they will all, one will point at the other. That's just the way that this works. We'll all point at a different group. The teachers get a lot of it though. And I, I'm, a, I'm one who dishes out a lot of it to teachers. I don't want teachers to be responsible for everything. I want them to be right. responsible for what they're supposed to be responsible mm-hmm. for, which is one being competent being prepared, understanding strategies and pedagogies for um, imparting learning uh, with children. That that so so when teachers are like you know schools can't solve miracle be do miracles and solve all the ills of the world or whatnot. First of all, don't call us ills, <laughs> and 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 don't talk about society sending you all the worst of everything. Blah blah blah. Because if you work in the emergency room, you're supposed to know emergency room practices. You're not if if you're not if you're not built for the emergency room, then go do family practice or do something else, right? But but don't bitch about being in the emergency room uh, if it's not for you, if you if you're not built for it or whatnot. Now I'm not expecting you 
to do miracles in the, in the emergency room because people are coming in in different conditions there, but that's your job. Like that's your, your science needs to be wrapped around who you're serving. And over time, you should learn more and more and more about doing that. Minneapolis is a good example. Uh, I, I've said this before, Minneapolis, if you get shot, you want to go to go to Hennepin County Hospital. They have not learned how to do everything else in the world, but they have gotten really good with heart attacks, uh, diabetes, and gunshots for good reason, because the people that they have been serving for years and years and years made them get better and better at that because that was something that that population needed help with. So, but everybody else needs to take their responsibility too. I want to jump to another one um, um, that here I'm going to, I'm going to read it verbatim so people can hear it. I'd be interested in the hands thoughts on why our country has enabled the largest interest group for college educated white women to have a near veto proof stranglehold on education policy at the federal level and many city states across the country. Which would also be interested in a discussion on how the GOP superstar governor has gone full on socialist in his state sponsored censorship of educators and corporations. Are there any principled um, conservatives less? So those, those are two separate points that this person had that I think are really good ones. The first one is let's deal with this. Um, what are our thoughts on the country has enabled the largest interest group of college educated white women to have a near veto proof stranglehold on education policy at the federal level? What say you, brothers, on this one? First of all, is <laughs> so, it true? Is it true? It, it's it's, one, it's 100, 100% true, and that falls on the Democratic side because That's racist y'all are the hell. ones that have the have, what? <laughs> go ahead, brother. It, it's, it, it's, true, it's true, and it ain't new, but go ahead. I got you. No, I got you, I mean, right? No, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely not new, but you know, like, what are you gonna do at this point, right? You you got you got Biden that's pu pulling uh, pulling funding away from charter schools because they told him to do it, right? Um, and you know, think about how pro uh, charter school Obama was uh, when during the whole eight years when Biden was in office with uh, with, with so it's a, we can't tell to these teachers unions to the point to where it's like we don't give two shites about uh, about about black kids. Right. And so, you know, that, that's just where we are, bro, sadly. Uh, but I'm still going to work my butt off in order to make sure that the black and brown kids that we service are getting what they need. And the black and brown families that we service are a part of our school community and feel safe uh, in, in our community. All right. Okay, well, but let me ask you one more question on this, though. Go ahead, Chris. Go so ahead. You said it's true. You said it's true. Right. So so this is you agree with the point that we was making. The majority of kids in schools in public schools now are majority of color and they're majority in poverty. So why wouldn't the mothers of the majority of the students uh, be the biggest kind of political force in education policy in the United States? Well, think about think, well, Charles, jump in, man. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think that my answer is going to touch on what you what you just said, Chris. And this ain't CRT. This is just some history. Uh, let's go back to slavery and who owns slaves. Uh, but you often didn't hear about the white wife or the white woman in that house who was much harder on the slaves, demanded certain people be whipped, and then uh, got to take the slaves' bodies when they want to, and then when they got caught, would cry out other things that led to stuff, um, that led to people being killed and murdered, or, uh, or a little boy that might have whistled at somebody ends up getting pulled out of his house and drugged and hung. None of this stuff is new, and this ain't CRT, this is just history. This comes in the in a strong line of tradition 
of powerful white men wanting to shut up and appease their white wives that have been able to run rampant. And now you have a full career in something where there's very few checks on you. And if somebody does put a check on you, um, you get to be a victim and you get to be the person who loves these people. Right. And again, it ain't just white people, but that's what you was asking about. So I'm just going to say this has some very, very strong roots to slavery. And it ain't just Dem Democrats. It's Democrats and Republicans. And during slavery times, it was flipped. Right. Republicans were the anti-slave party and Democrats were the slave party or whatnot. But it doesn't matter. OK. Um, they built a very, very strong, strong stranglehold on this country. And these men going to take care of their wives. So somebody put in the comments. The answer to your question, Chris, is because their husbands are the people making the laws. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Sorry. No, it's, don't be sorry. <laughs> um, this so point that you just made. It was eight black hands. I've really enjoyed getting to know you all. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> this point around white women is really tough because there is a long, there is a apolitical way to look at it. There's a historic way of just reading the public record and facts. There's also a way for it to be taken as you're being, I've had this said of me in making this point, you're being misogynist, you're being racist, you're picking out, uh, you're picking on a, a female mm -hmm. occupation and all that stuff. I've heard these things before. Um, if you have read, there's a couple of books, uh, one of them, I think, you know, we have a link for, if you read the history that they are trying to outlaw right now, that history, um, uh, although it must be behind a paywall. Uh, there's a book called They Were Her Property. And it's a book ar around how white women were avid slave owners. They weren't just slave owners mm -hmm. and they weren't just participants. They actually, this book says something like 20 to 40% to, to of them actually were the ones who owned the slaves in a lot of cases. A lot of the white men that you know about actually married slave owning white women. And that's how they got their wealth. As a matter of fact, a couple of your presidents, that's how they got their wealth. The idea that that they were passive uh, victims and oppressed people through this entire time doesn't comport with history. And if you look at from uh, slavery times when they ran the plantations and the houses and owned the slaves, and a lot of times were given the slaves by their fathers as as gifts, you know, mm -hmm. when they died or whatnot, they formed management tactics during that time. And the book uh, and they were uh, they were her property exposes the fact that many of them were way more kind of like uh, um, intense about their management of the people. They had a nurturing side and they also had a very quick corrective side. Uh, um, uh, this is an article actually that, that folks should go and read that talks a little bit about, uh, about what I'm saying right now. That didn't stop during those times. If we study history, history never just stops on the dime. Things happen after that. You get into the, the desegregation era, there's a book called Massive Resistance. Um, and people should go look in that book. It's called uh, The Mothers of Massive Resistance, White Women and the Politics of Supremacy. And that book will open your eyes to everything we're talking about right now, how they became such a massive force in education and why they thought it was their job to be the matriarchy over education in ways that still plays out today. So they love you as a person of color, until you step out of the lane and you're trying to take your kids out of their system or do something that they don't want you to do. And they turn on you real quick when you do that. Right. In Minneapolis here, the white women inside and outside of the schools band together in some ways that are pretty, pretty savage and harsh to the point where they will attack black teachers, black parents, black mothers, mothers of color and betray all their liberal values, call you every kind of privatizer 
just for asking a question, right? Uh, and it has roots that go far. So I know why they're trying to outlaw history. I get why they're trying to outlaw history because if they can make you forget everything that you knew before yesterday, you'll be a good slave for today, right? Mm-hmm. Bro, so here's here's one thing that we didn't touch on, right? Uh, and 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 I I hold firm to this. If your kid has been into a in a, in a school system for 13 years, and at the end of that 13th year, your kid can't read, so your kid graduates from high school, and they can't read. And these in black led black led school systems, right? Throughout our country, that this is happening, right? Um, you got to blame the system. You got to blame the teachers every year because then you know we got we got prominent black folks that are saying, "Oh, my kids don't test. My kids will never test, and oh your kids God. should never yes. test either, right?" And I'm looking at this damn fool like, what? Like, are you crazy? Like, how are you going to hold a system accountable if your right. kid never tests? Like, if you got benchmark years from three to eight, that's the easiest way to catch who's not teaching your child. And so for you, the person that is at home that can be that, that can teach your kid and provide these multiple avenues in order for your kid to learn, how classes is that? when you have folks that don't have the same capacity to be able to do that as you. Like, these black people, man, I'm telling you, man. Let's I don't see, you about Now you're about to get canceled again? Because we did this already in this show, but sometimes our own people go into these systems and they don't sound remarkably different than the other people who are already in the system. And you just gave a very concrete example. We have black educators who go and join these unions and start telling the public Start telling their own community to opt their kids out of the one thing that we right. know leaves a data trail to show us where all the inequities are in which schools. And it's partially because they have joined the interests of their pensionistas in the teachers union. Their material interest now has become the same as their colleagues. So they tell us, don't, don't, yeah. don't test. They tell yeah. us, don't test. The tests are evil. They're racist. They're rooted in eugenics. Fool, yeah. the school system is, is rooted in eugenics. Your teacher's union is rooted in, in, in uh, uh, racism. In racism. In racism. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So if we're going to just go tell our people to opt out of everything that has any roots to racism or whatnot, they're going yeah. to root. The, they're going to opt out of your. Hey, who gassing up the boat if that's the case? Because we got to go. If we if we, if we leave in everything that's not rooted in racism, hell, even that damn boat that you about to get on. Right. And I would say this, though. And Ray, yeah. you made a great point. If after 13 years, uh, a kid can't read, that system is absolutely flawed. But if you my kid and you've been in my house and, and in that 13 years and you go through that system and you come out and yeah. you still can't read, then I have yeah. failed you as a father. I have yeah. failed you as a parent. I have failed you as somebody that loves you. So, again, it's everybody got blood on their hands. But who got to live with the consequences of that? Who whose baby is it? See, now we see again, everybody want to have this easy, tuckable ass conversation around. But whose fault is this and have it be clean? But we got to get past the point of whose fault it is. Who going to bear the brunt of it? Is it going to be your kid that's still going to be in your pocket and having to live with you uh, and, and your wife or, or live with their mama until they 30 or 40 years old? Like, nah, man, if you in my house as my child or my nephew or my sibling and you went through that many years and you can't read and I, and I just kept my faith in that system that whole time, 
Sh- look in the mirror so I can show you a fool. Hold up. Wait, wait, wait. Robin, <laughs> I, I'm reading these comments, Robin. Okay. And read, for you to read, be here we a, go. Ray's going to start fighting with people in the comments. Potential race scholar and cake for these goddamn unions the way you cake for them, knowing what happened to black teachers unions post Brown B Board of Education and then require us to give you citations for stuff that you already know. You know, it's very troubling to me. I'm gonna call you. <laughs> yeah, are you troubled? Are you troubled, Raven? I'm very troubled. I'm very troubled. Right. She should hit you in the comments. So, but somebody says something. I'm, I'm gonna stay there with you, Ray. But somebody says something about the test. Listen, I'm gonna say what Obama said to the Republicans. If you don't like Obamacare, make a new system. Make it like you got eight years. Make it. So we've been saying that these tests have been racist since uh, No Child Left Behind started. Like that's when it came out. We have had ample time to build new state, new new pieces of measurement that actually show where the things are happening. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, then you got to make new tests again. How long are we? If you know the system is fraudulent, okay, one year I got your grace period. Two years I got your grace period. Five years, ten, fifteen, thirty. At what point? Do we step in and be like, nah, well, we're going to use this one. But there needs to be something that shows that you've actually done your job with the child, the children that you have been charged with, that you've been, that you have. Yeah, but Charles, here's the thing, here's the thing, though. Here's, here's, Here's the one word in education that nobody wants to hear and everybody is afraid of. Accountability. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk to teachers about accountability, you talk to mm-hmm. them about student growth scores, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you become the boogeyman. It's like, I want to be able to measure over time, over time, how mm-hmm. much my kid has learned throughout the year. There's nothing anti-union about that. There's nothing anti-teacher about that. That is me being pro my child. That is being pro my child learning. That is me being pro my taxpayer dollars that pay your salary and making sure that my taxpayer dollars are being used in a correct manner to educate my child. And we have to be real about what you're saying. What you just said, I want to stick on that point. If it wasn't for accountability, people wouldn't have a problem with the tests. Mm. Before the, when the, the test used to track kids into special little classrooms and stuff and the teachers who had the best seniority used to get those kids. So tests were fine until they started being applied to teachers uh, and with the expectation that all kids would do well on them. You didn't hear all this anti-testing stuff before, like the accountability movement, right? It was just something everybody took and they put good kids in this classroom and and kids that they thought were dumb in other classrooms and they had tracking and all this other stuff. They were fine with it until you started saying, no, 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 no. Those kids who are not doing well on the test have to learn too. So you need to be accountable for their learning. That's when tests became bad. So this is what I want people to do. Y'all can fight me on test all you want. Oh my God, they're racist. They're blah, blah, blah. Cancel oh, we my can ass stay here. Them. We you, can you, stay you, here. I would yeah, love you to can stay here. You, you, you can stay here. <laughs> Cancel my ass if you want to. Because listen, I'll tell you right now, the tests aren't racist. You are racist for saying the tests are racist because your children can pass those tests. This, oh my God, they have words in it that you know our kids would never encounter. They don't know the difference between a bucket and a pail because they never read a book that had a bucket or a pail in it. They've never had to like deduce what a thing meant out of like passages of paragraphs or whatnot, even though they nobody knew what a goddamn Quidditch was before they read, you know, Harry Potter, right? It's not like you, you it's not like you read Harry Potter and you had all the background cultural knowledge to know any of that stuff, what was going on in that book, 
right? As a matter of fact, a lot of that stuff was brand new to you and it was a made up world and universe, but because you can read and you can decipher things and fill in blanks for yourself, no matter what color you are, if your brain is elastic, you can do that. But if you want to fight me on this, oh, I'm going to send you a study, Chris, that shows that they're racist and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. First of all, you can call them racist if you want to, but this is what I want you to do. Every state allows you to look at the practice test. Go get the practice test tonight. Stop just saying blanket dumb shit you've heard other people say. Oh, my God, the tests are racist and they're, they're biased and all this stuff. Stop doing that. Go get an actual copy of the test yourself. Go look at the test questions that they, they present for parents because the, they have a whole section for parents to go look at sample questions and see what they are, right? And if you go and look at those and you say to yourself, yeah, my kids shouldn't be able to answer these things at the grade that they're asking them to answer these things. They shouldn't be able to read these paragraphs and then answer questions about what's in the paragraphs and about what is being inferred or what's being said explicitly in the paragraphs. They shouldn't be able to do that. That's just racist. If you come away with that same idea, then fine. Then absolutely, I'm with you. But if you haven't looked at the actual test and you're just repeating these talking points that are actually hurting children, it is hurting the public. First of all, it's hurting children for you not to be abreast enough of what you're talking about to know whether or not it's just, just like simple comprehension stuffs. That, that your kids are being asked. So first of all, that's, that's, that's your first problem. Your second problem is when you start messing with the test and wiping away all of that data, you take away some of the stuff that we need for like civil rights lawsuits. When you sue the state, when you sue a district, when you bring heat to a state or a district, the first thing you do is pull the test scores. Yes, and the sir. first thing you do is you look at all the inequities that are being the data. shown in that. Right? You the data. Disaggregate the data and take a look at it. It took years to get them to disaggregate that damn data, only for dumb fools to be waking up today talking about, oh my God, but it's not racist to disaggregate the data and look at it. It's educators it's that are telling you that. And the reason educators are telling you that is because they have a vested interest in your ass not knowing that information. They want to erase that data. And some of the people that look just like you are participating in that bullshit. That's 100% fact. And, Listen, man. To, oh. and, and to, to, double, to double down on that point, Chris, right? So if you have a test company that's making a test, right? And you pick this test company out, like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, ETS or whoever's making this test is racist, right? Let's think about teachers. Let's think about the makeup of the teaching profession. Mm. So if I have, if I have 80% of teachers that identify as white and let's say they're making teacher made assessments you mean to tell me that 80 percent of these white women that are making these teacher made assessments are not going to have any inherent bias to them that's absolutely dumbassery if you think that that's not going to happen you have a better chance of getting a racist test from a teacher made assessment than you would from uh, an assessment made from a testing company. Listen, man, it, you, this is, again, a Demet and Mr. Hill just said it. The test is not just for the young people. It's for you as well. It's for you to see how much growth you've been able to get for this young person. And if you haven't, stand with it. Listen, bro, I'm not, it's not about me caping for the test. I actually do think that the test can be racist and that's fine. Like, and what, but what I'm saying but Show me is, an example, wait, though. Wait, wait, show wait, me an example. Wait, wait, hold on. What, what I want people is, to do. What I'm show saying is, I don't I don't disagree what I, I agree with everything that we'll be saying. Sure. Let me concede that point for you. Now what then? So now what? So are you going to do something about it or do you like to just be able to say that? Because if you really felt it was racist, listen, when people felt it was racist at the diner, that the diner wouldn't let them sit down, they did sit-ins. You know, they made something better. 
So make something better. The answer is not to just say, well, we're not going to have nothing, nothing accountable, especially when black kids are being failed at the rate that they're being failed at in this country. And you got people on both sides as rich, especially on our progressive liberal side that will tell you about tests being racist and the need for public schools or whatever the case is. And we should aspire for this, that and the third. But they send their kids to private schools. They make the people I want to hear from on this because they ain't going to never sit their kid next to your black ass kid. That's one because they think they're better than you and you think your kid is too stupid to do the damn test in the first way. But listen, yo, Jay-Z can't do nothing in his life without people bringing up his drug dealer past or that whatever criminal past. But we talk about unions like they are angels, man. Do you know who runs the mafia? Do you know, let's do some how this country was built, right? Do you know how the mafia's main power source, what the source of it is? It is unions. Do you know who Jimmy Hoffa was? Jimmy Hoffa rose to be one of the most powerful men in America because he ran the largest union in America. And there he did a bunch of nefarious, illegal shit. Most of it rooted in putting it on the backs of black people. The same Godfather movie that I love where they said you can sell all your drugs to anybody that ain't Italian. Sell it to the black people. The reason that Michael Corleone got killed is because he didn't want to just sell dope to black people. I, I just broke down all of the Godfather trilogy for you. So, again, <laughs> don't pick when your ass is sensitive to racism and when you not. Don't pick when it's like, I want to love this system and I need to be progressive and I need to do this, that and the third or whatever. They still ain't found Jimmy Hoffa's ass. So all I'm saying is now we're talking about your kids and what your kids need now. Get out of the get out of your talking points. Get out of your feelings. Get out of all that shit. Whose fault is it that at the end of 13 years, if your kid can't read? Because there used to be a time where a, where a high school diploma meant something. It used to be a time where a high school diploma meant more than just a prerequisite for you to be able to go to college. You used to be able to graduate from high school and go into a skill to have some type of labor. I can't even teach you how to do wood shop now. Because we done watered down education so much, and it's only happening where black and brown and poor kids go. Why is that? That there's a reason. Y'all keep talking oh, to me God. about rich billionaires. I'm gonna shut up after this. You keep okay. talking to me about rich billionaires. <laughs> no, no, whatever. I'll take the heat, yeah. man. You keep. No, no, no. no. About, I'm not gonna give you heat on this, but go with. No, this no, no, no. I'm Wait, talking about from the crowd. I'm talking about from yeah. the crowd. You, they keep talking about rich billionaires that were able to drop out of school, right? Bill Gates, Steve Jobs, all this. You know why? Because the general education they asses was getting beforehand already taught them how to code. It already taught them higher learning thinking. It already taught them stuff. And guess what? As so the, the, the high school system goes, so does the academia, the academia stage. That's how universities go. So you got universities that's watering down shit, that's scared to assess, that's scared to say, that's a bullshit major. That major has no bearing here. And you got to go and do this again. Nah, because they need that money to keep flowing. So keep telling me about racism and I'm going to keep showing you black kids that ain't getting what they need. And we keep pointing the fingers while these other folks is on yachts and boats laughing at your ass. And, and I, I just want to like say two things to that. So the first one, what you say is only black kids and then black schools that there's happening. Uh, black, brown, poor, mainly. And I, I want to be real with you. Minnesota is a, a white, wealthy state. Mm -hmm. That is like the Finland of the country, and I've said this before, and it's forty percent proficiency for white kids. But, but, and, but, but, and, but and we talk all break that down by, by, by income. What I said was black, brown, and poor. So if you go and break those numbers down, because I actually broke down those numbers too, Bruh, a lot of those kids are not when, are when poor. the majority when the majority of your white kids aren't proficient, mm -hmm. and nobody's ever talking about that, right? Somebody should start talking about that. The majority of the, the the majority of the white children of Minnesota 
a, a, a fairly well-to-do state with lots of college-educated people in it or whatnot who like to pat themselves on the back for how amazing their white kids are and are doing. When I tell you the majority aren't, that should like that should rankle a few feathers, right? Like a few people should be like, wait a second now, tell me more about that. What do you mean the majority of white kids aren't proficient in reading either? Because we always talking about like we talk about it as it's an other people's problem, like like it's it's the kids are these color. poor white kids? It's a, it, yes, bro. We don't have the type of poverty. No, no, no. We don't have the type of poverty amongst white people in this state like other people have. We're not the South, bro. Like 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 white people are doing pretty well here, right? And their kids are not doing as well as they think that they're doing in these same classrooms. And they love to think of it as an other people's problem. But, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not working out as great for them as they think. I'll just put it that way. Like they might be overestimating how good things are, even for themselves. Uh, um, anyways, <laughs> I think we all agreed on this last point around the testing. But I like where you went with it, Charles, which is like you can complain about it. But what you going to do after you you done right. complaining? Like what would you, I personally don't think that like, like, like I think our kids could pass the test. I think every time that we say, every, I, I think every time that we say that the reason that we're not passing a test is because the tests are racist, uh, black self-determination actually loses its wings. I think every time you say that dumb <laughs> shit, I think every time you Yo, say so, that dumb so, shit, so, because you know, we have so many black kids that can pass these goddamn tests and it is not because they, they don't know the difference between a bucket and a pail, that they, they don't get the question right. That's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Stop saying it, people. Anyways, yeah. go ahead, bro. Go ahead, bro. No, I, I, so I think when it comes down to, when I, I, can, I can hear the argument for a racist teacher uh, te a teacher proficiency test. So like when, a, when teachers become uh, certified in the, the teacher certification test, I think that those have some elements of race. Um, that are indoctrinated in, in some of some of those tests and, and scoring some of those tests for uh, for, for, for ETS for uh, folks that uh, become principals. I can see how um, if you don't or haven't written for those types of things, then you would have problems with, with passing one of those tests. But it, it, they give you study guides. Right. So like if you focus on the study guide and you write to like you write to how they want you to write, then you can pass the test right so like I, I don't know I, I don't know I think that there needs to be more done in higher ed in order to prepare folks to be able to take these tests so like if you're in a teacher education program then there should be a course that's dedicated to like passing the certification test right and you should be you know you should have access to all kinds of practice tests um, you know through your university and I think that uh, a lot of states are putting more onus on universities in order to certify teachers now and so you should see more black folks and brown folks eligible to become certified as teachers, uh, especially in New York, with, with, with uh, universities now having the power to now certify teachers. All right. Well, listen, if if people are listening and watching, you've just come in or you've been here for a while. We had said that we would go longer tonight than we normally go because this is the cancellation show and there's a lot to cancel for. Um, <laughs> so just so if you're looking at the clock and thinking, wow, these these brothers and ran over. We did. Uh, and we have. But it's because there's a lot to be canceled for. Josh, can you put up super producer? Can you please put up the uh, the, the, the one thing that I'm going to get canceled for here, too? Um why are so many aspiring teachers not passing the licensing tests in some states it's as high as like 50 to 60 percent not passing i don't know what the answer to that is but i do want to say <laughs> i do want to say this well i do kind of know what the answer is and i don't want to say it necessarily but i will say this much 
when we talk about the 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 labor pool that we are drawing teachers from, it's not the same labor pool that we used to draw the best and the brightest from, for one. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking about cancelable things to be said, it is absolutely true every way you slice and dice it. These these are not the same black teachers or white teachers that we used to draw. When things were segregated, white women couldn't be judges and lawyers and attorneys and everything. That created an, a man-made lake, a segregated lake of teachers who were from the high end of the cognitive collegiate pool. And the moment that the, the gates opened up for people to have wide options in occupations, it changed the pool. And I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm saying this to be research-based. And you could go look for it if you want to yourself and fight me on it. But the reason that we have so many educators who have test anxiety and hate testing, uh, and, and, and let's be clear, the tests that they hate are tests that measure them, is because they have educational trauma about not passing those tests or being able to pass those tests in many cases. That's my hypothesis. You have many people who are teaching our kids who themselves had problems uh, um, with the things that they're trying to teach. And notice that the tests that they are against are very specific. They always say standardized testing, standardized testing, standardized testing. The majority of the tests that our kids take are unstandardized tests given to them by 3 million teachers who have created their own tests and quizzes that they feel very comfortable giving our kids to. Do you think that standardized tests that are rigorously reassessed every year for things like cultural bias are less reliable than 3 million independent teachers who have been shown by research to have all that was the wrong my point. ideas about our kids who are creating their own unstandardized tests? What kind Just. of fool would you have to be to believe that 3.4 million unstandardized tests from a workforce that can't pass tests to get into the workforce their damn selves, who have all the wrong ideas about our kids, are better than standardized tests that are normed and referenced over and over and over again uh, so that they can become better and better year after year. Which do you think is better? Bro, oh. I said this. <laughs> <laughs> well, then they, I stole your they, point. They got, they got your back, bro. Jesse, Jesse <laughs> and a few other people was like, Ray said it. I, I mean, listen, the, the way you answer that question is you, you tell people that's about to go into major surgery and you let their family know, uh, just so you know, the surgeon that's doing your surgery today did not pass any of their tests. They, they, we did this cultural relevant thing for them, but, uh, you know, so they're going to say some stuff that make you feel good about yourself. But I don't know if they know a lot about this uh, blood transfusion. I mean, listen, man, if you want to be a lawyer, you got to pass the bar. Like, and do you know what? What state you in right now? What state do you live in? I, I, California and Illinois. The two states, the two states that you lived in are the two states with the highest fail rate for new new attorneys for for. Attorneys passing the bar. Do you hear attorneys trying to change the bar? I mean, they probably could, but they don't know well, the law well enough to do it. So, you know why they don't? They don't want. No. They don't want trash attorneys. They, 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 they don't, don't want, want they don't know, the people that fail. They don't know the law well enough to change it. The point that I'm making is, is that like this. No. Is, I, listen, I'll say this. I failed those tests. Like, let's let's. We y'all want to be real? Let's be real. I did terrible on those tests, but I was always top five percent of my schools. Top 10% of my schools. And then I went to college. And guess what? I was remedial everything. 
because I didn't know what a thesis was. How am I in AP English and got an A, but don't know what a thesis is or how to do a thesis statement, right? Like, and this is this is at hand the issue, man. Like, I've had to do so much self-learning, so much self-teaching, so much stuff to kind of go back. And all we are doing is delaying the inevitable of the children that actually want to grow up and become adults to be professionals in something. All the relearning, all the loans, all the extra time and all the extra stress that they're going to have. Now, if you want to build two different tracks, we can do that. Let's do a professional track for education and let's do a we don't give a fuck track. And then let's see what people pick. Because most parents want to see their kids do well on these tests and they want to see their kids thrive. You can't tell me they don't. All right, so so really quick, uh, 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 let's do a fact check real quick. And so uh, California, the California, uh, the rate of pass on the California bar is very low. And the reason why it's low it should is be. because you don't have to go, you know, you don't have to go to law school in order to take the bar right. and become a lawyer in California. So that's why the California uh, uh, bar results are so low. I so you'll have somebody like true, a Kim bro. Kardashian that, didn't go to law school that could study under Van Jones. And, and we're, we're assuming that she don't know what she doing. Like we assume, like we shouldn't have, like yeah, if she passed yeah. it. Like let's yeah. listen. We talking about. No, I'm, not, I'm not assuming that. I'm not assuming that. I know, I know you're not. I know. I know yeah. you're not. But I saw somebody in the comments say that, and I and I, and I told you I'm, I'm gonna deflect all the hate from you today, Ray. I got you. We, we in this together. <laughs> But we are assuming that one of the richest women in the history of the world can't get the best tutors and like really dive in to pass the bar. Like we, we act like these people didn't build. They built it off a of smut, but we acting like they didn't build an empire. Like this is what I'm saying. This is how the game plays you. The yeah, game has true. you thinking that smart people that act dumb on purpose to be smart and to build dynasties are stupid. And that people that can't actually do the work in seventh grade and eighth grade are smart when they haven't been taught properly. That's that. Bring well, all that here. I got well, all the so, hate for you, Ray. I got. But, but, so, but, but think, but think about what you're saying, right? And to take it to the next level, to take it to politics, take it to the conservative side. You have folks that are, are that studied under constitutional scholars that have now dumbed themselves down to the point to where they can now identify with the Trumpites, right? They can. So you got a DeSantis who went to Harvard, went to all the all those prestigious schools or whatever, but like he's out trumping Trump now. You have someone in Texas like Ted Cruz who who was a renowned constitutional scholar, studied under the best folks and whatnot. But like if you talk to Ted Cruz and you see some of the things that he says, the points that he makes or whatever, you would think that Ted Cruz is dumb as shit. Right? He and so this is what well no, yeah. He's, he's, but, he's but we're talking but about the art of war. Norm. Go ahead, Ray, I got you. This is the, <laughs> this is the, this is the this is the new norm though, right? It's like, you know, you got folks that are that are considered in in uh in some circles as being super smart that now have to now dumb themselves down in order to be able to identify with a constituent that can win them the presidency and that can win them elections, right? Yeah. And so this is not about this is not about being be, being intelligent anymore. This is about like, you know, who how much support I can I, I can garner from white uh, uneducated folks that now flow into the circles of college educated folks that are white. Yeah, it's like class warfare. I mean, like like right now, I think we have generations of people that it came through the American public education system without the ability to like think critically or to to uphold their civic duty, and now we have charlatans of the educated upper middle class class of people who now know how to. Um, do the populist thing with those groups of people and manipulate them the way they want. The only way you could get out of that is by having much better education for all. 
like educating as many people as we can. I know we're running up on time here we, now. We can go as I, long as you want, bro. I'm okay. With I got one that I saved here, you know, uh, uh, for us to touch on because it's about reform and it's about reformers. And this is something that someone <laughs> sent in. So, um, and I'm not going to name the person who sent it in, but you all sent us different you know, items for us to talk through. This one isn't written in perfect sentence structure, but I'm going to try to read it as clearly <laughs> as I can. So, uh, Ed well, Choice Reform folks. What's that? What'd you say? Well, damn. <laughs> no, I mean, like... That, that part was not needed, sassy pants. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> sassy. <laughs> oh, shit, I thought this was a, a truth-telling space. I feel triggered. Uh, go, go ahead, uh, brother. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, it says, Ed Choice Reform folks. When you support a candidate, lawmaker, or bill for your very narrow school choice bill issue, um, that person or party or administration is really, really bad on every other issue impacting kids, families, and communities. At what point do you say my one school choice issue is not enough to compromise my values on the broader issues uh, and the needs of kids that I care about? Just getting more kids options, like more choices, while that's important, does not outweigh all the other stuff that uh, our folks need and that we're throwing at, you know, at them like book banning, discriminatory uh, stuff against LBG, uh, LGBTQ and trans kids, the not teaching history, all the systemic inequality stuff. So I guess the point is, like, we're all in this thing that people try to lump us together on like in reform no world. well, well I, know, we, we, I know i know but people just, like to try and like you know lump yeah. everybody together so so what this is basically saying is and this comes from a person who's in the thick of it in the thick of policy uh, ed reform policy who's saying at what point do we start calling other people out now i don't know we don't have that problem no right? like, we'll call you anybody who watches this show knows that we don't have that problem but it is a problem some of our folks are awfully silent as some of their they're go ahead, Ray. Like some of their people are doing some crazy Bro, shit. I, I mean, yo, we, we should let you have we should let you go first, Ray. You are the registered Republican, sir. This, you are my listen, this is you. So so listen, so you're I'm, my I'm black Republican friend. Listen, and I and I appreciate that and, and I acknowledge that and I receive that, right? But, but what I, what I will say is this. Uh you know, some of the folks that we that are being spoken about right now, those folks are registered Democrats that are mm -hmm. are cowtelling to the school choice movement. And allowing these folks to be racist as fuck, defending them and doing all these things, right? So, like, you'll get a DM from somebody that you'll be like, "Well, damn, you know, it, we we can't talk about this. We, we could, what? Like, why why can't we talk about this? Like, why can't we call this out? Why can't we name this, right? And so, and these are folks that you know, a lot of you guys in this audience right now respect the whole lot. Y'all follow them, y'all retweet them, y'all do all these other things. But like we look at them with the side eye, like yo, you a sucker because yo, at the end of the day, it's like if you're not standing up for black folks, you're not standing up for the rights of black people, and you're allowing folks to go against LGBTQIA uh, plus communities. You're allowing folks to go against trans students. You're allowing folks to drag folks that don't really even have a part in this, right? They don't even have like an equal voice even to be able to defend themselves and whatnot. If you're allowing that to happen for the sake of choice, then you're a whole ass sucker. And I can't get with that, right? And so like me, I'm all about defending everybody, right? Um, but not to the point to where I'm going to allow other people, the whites, to be able to like talk shite against everybody else for the sake of school choice. Like that's not what I'm about. Yeah. I think we have a lot of scared people 
um, on the left and the center left and the centrists who are afraid of pissing off right wing people. They're afraid. They're afraid. But that the why left don't? But why, Chris? Something. Why? Because, well, I, don't because know, I had a different take. But you go know ahead, what? Chris. You got it. Go I'll, ahead. I'll put it this way. I feel like the issue that we are in now, there is a moment for men and women to stand up sometimes. And if they are not standing up right now, it exposes what has existed for a long time that some people already knew. Some of y'all are full of shit. Some of y'all, this has been a cushy, overpaid, nonprofit job for you. Right. You like to go to all the meetings and go to all the conferences. You like to talk a good game about equity and revolution and deconstructing things and disrupting and blah, 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 blah. But now you sitting at tables with people who are actively trying to take away black people's voting rights. You are sitting at tables and you are having meals and dinners and drinks with people who are actively plotting to scapegoat whole populations of kids and their families and write them out of law. You are sitting and having uh, how do you have how do you have kind of a just a cool social interaction with somebody that you literally know <laughs> that they are writing bills to yeah. disenfranchise your people from having power in the country? How, what kind of dancing fool? You know who what kind of dancing fool is? Ed reform Negroes and Negresses. Who like to have happy hours with people? Did you say who like to be, who, who like to be the only, right? Who like to be the only one on the panel? He said it. Like he to be the it. only one in the video. Like to be the yeah. only one on the stage. Love to keep getting calls oh, to the country club, yeah. whatnot, right? And you know who you are if you're listening to this because you're a straight sucker. Every one of you, every one of you, are Bro. because there's a time in your life where you're supposed to say something on behalf of your people if you're in the room. Right. If you were in the room at the moment and you had a chance to say something, this is that moment. And you silent as hell because you like the paychecks, because you like the invitations, because you yeah. like the food, you like the yeah. finger sandwiches like and the all food. that bullshit. So, right. You like all the unseasoned the food and shit. Right. Yeah. All up in the videos. Right. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, oh. I'm sorry, uh, Charles. I it's don't not good. I think. I mean, for it. No, I think. I mean, I think here's the thing, man. In the neighborhood that I grew up in, and Ray, you have heard you talk about the neighborhood you grew up in too, where I grew up in a neighborhood where people will rob you, where people may look like you or may not look like you, but don't have your best interests at heart, but you learn how to move, you learn how to operate. And I do think in life there are sometimes when one has to make sacrifices or, or, or compromise, and I think that there's sometimes there has to be a line. I have a clear line. I'm not the one, I don't have a lot of friends in this work. Like I, I, I spent I feel like I spent last year trying to be friends with a lot of folks. And this year I'm like, I, I don't want to go to that if it ain't serving me. I don't want to be there. I don't like the way it feels. I'm good. And, you know, and it is what it is. Right. I don't have any judgment. It just kind of is what it is, because you got to know when motherfuckers will rob you, bro. You got to know when people don't have your best interests at heart. And in our community, we call it discernment. And if you don't have enough discernment to be operating for school choice or parent choice, but being being able to draw a hard line around, but you don't really like me either. So why am I going to kind of cape for this thing? But also now I got your stain on me forever for actually selling out my people and you still don't get nothing. Education still ain't better in this country. It still ain't. We still talking about the same shit, the same stuff that happened. So what's your line? And that's what I would say. Some people, see, Gwen said, well, your, it's not just, line? wait, wait, I'm about to, I'm about yeah, to respond yeah. to these, to these comments that it's not that yeah. cut and dry. Sometimes yeah. it is. Sometimes yeah. it is. Sometimes, yeah. listen, 
I have a best friend, Will Jackson. He's a brother of mine. He, you know what I'm saying? He has been there for me. And we got into one big fight. Like, it was like a bar fight. Homie had my back in Mexico. And it was like some crazy stuff that happened, right? But, like, there was a clear line where it's like, look, I love this person. This person loves me. We will lose everything for each other in this moment. Some things you have a clear line on. So if you're willing to compromise the well-being of your people, if you're willing to compromise and be the black pickany every single time there's an issue where they're trying to take you out, where they're trying to use you to justify hurting your people, then I might still be your friend, but I can't fuck with you like that. I, if if you're going to say, yo, black people don't deserve a right to vote, black people shouldn't have this, if they're going to treat you subhuman and you're going to help in my demise for some air choice, air reform shit that ain't even took place, and then you still going to try to cut me out and black people still struggling, you're not for me. And it is what it is. And it's okay. And you know what? And when and you have okay. some people, you just said a word, picking any. I don't know what, if that was the word that you used. Like, I God said damn. it. Okay. He said right. it. He said it. But listen, <laughs> I just want to say, like minstrel stuff didn't die, and that there is still a handful of reliable people in reform world where the same names have been there for many years, and they get invited to the same things over and over again. That's not they they are the most tortured individuals I've ever heard when you ask them about this question. So I want to help them out. If you don't know where the line is, or if it's not that cut and dry for you, I would say you have some self-work to, to be thinking about. Because I want to tell you a line. Black people and people of color and brown people and, and, and everybody else for years and years and years have fought to get ethnic studies into schools, to get a curriculum that reflects their own history and their own people, to have the right to vote and to have social power within the economic system, within the political system, with all the other systems. We have fought for that over many years. Anybody who comes to structuralize us out of that with a law, or a rule change or whatnot is much more dangerous than people who just talk. So this isn't about, that should be your line. That's my point. That should be hey, your hey, line. And, a hey. law gets passed that says you no longer have X power to do X thing should be your line. If it's not, I don't know, I don't know what to tell you. And look, man, and, and, and don't flip flop. Listen, if, if you want to be over there, if you don't have the discernment or you ain't got the you ain't got the gall within you to stand up to these people and you just gonna sell us out in them rooms, then at least own it. Like, listen, man, I respect. There are some Uncle Toms that I respect, yo, because they stand in. Hey, 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 They're not hey, Uncle Toms. Hey, 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 they are not, not Uncle, Uncle Toms. Yeah. All right, Uncle Toms. So Uncle the, Tom yeah, was a good dude. It's the cancelable show, right? <laughs> it's the cancelable show, right? No, Here, let but me. Uncle Tom was a good hey, dude. give me the screen, John. Yeah. I'm about to talk about shit. Was a good dude. Uncle Whatever. Tom was a good dude, though. Listen to dude. what I'm saying. Listen to what I'm saying. If you're gonna stand there, then stand in it, man. And there are some things. All of us have been accused of something because we chose to like believe in choice or whatever the case is. It don't it don't bother me. Chris did a whole episode on it, which I actually think was his best work in anything that he's done. And he's done some great things. Um, we should repost that because I think it's really good. But I'm going to just say this. I got to go to Memphis a few weeks ago and be with Sarah Carpenter and the Memphis Lift. And y'all know this. I will speak at any conference. I speak at conferences. I like speaking at conferences. I love it, actually. It actually speaks to me. I love doing that, even though I may not kick in and talk with a lot of people at said conferences or I might leave early or whatever. But when I'm with the Memphis lift in Memphis, them is my people, man. Them is the people that I know. Them is the people that's my grandmama. That's my aunties. That's the people that I grew up with. And some of y'all are palling around with people that think all of them is stupid. 
that think all of them is unworthy of the option to be able to 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 be able to vote or to be able to have some agency for themselves. And like so if you okay with never being back invited to the cookout with our people that's that's a part of you and what you come from, then go on and you can have them people. You can go and have them cases and guess what they're going to do though? They don't love you. They in this for the business. How did I start this conversation today? I said, we need to start thinking about education in more business terms instead of emotional terms because they are transacting off of your ass. They are building, you are, your ass is a credit card that they will fill up and then you will be, the, the bill will come due and they just going to file for moral bankruptcy on you and you're going to be stuck out there and you ain't going to have nowhere to come home to and you're going to be sick. So what I'm saying is, our people, the black people that I love, that some of y'all think y'all too good, too bougie to be around, put me with them every day. And you can keep your bum ass conference. I will go where my people are. And it's, it is what it is. And this ain't Chris and Ray saying this. This is me. I know what I said when I said Uncle Tom. I know the history. I read the book. I know he was a good dude. But the people that I'm talking to know Uncle Tom as a certain term. You see what I'm doing? You understand what I'm saying? I know I who my audience saying. is. I <laughs> know. I, I, know understand, who, I understand what you're saying. I know as, who as, my as audience is, right? As, and that's as, the thing. As educators, we need to yeah. uplift the thinking of, of our audience, right? And so if, if Uncle Tom is Uncle Tom, then we need to let folks know who Uncle Tom is. Uncle, to Tom, kind of Uncle Tom literally did not sell out the black women. That's the, but, but that's, not, but that's not the pain of but, death, though. So but we, Charles, we, I understand your point. No, no. I but but what, I, what I'm saying is because we got different crowds watching, right? There is a community that, like, when you say a time, when you say time in the communities that we grew up yes. in, they we know what we're talking about, right? That's all yeah. I'm saying. And some of you, and some people will be seen as times. Like, it just, yeah. it, and, and, and let's also be fair. There's probably been times where each of us has been seen or called a time for our, it be our success or what we do or how we feel. I don't, just because I'm black don't mean I got to agree with every single thing that happens in the hood, but I'm not going to sell out the people that I love, even though I don't agree with them 100%. And if it come down to a white power elite that don't love me and never has and has enslaved me versus some people that I might love that don't see eye to eye with me on everything, but I am from them, that is who I am. The choice is easy for me every time. So run with your people, run on the Republican ticket, run on whatever you need to be the one black person with the smiling white teeth that they're going to use and do on your back. Because here's the thing. And I said this to friends and I love my friends. I'm a, I, but I said this, though, you when you go for office and it ain't just school board and you got an actual office and you in that party or you on that side or you in that coalition, you got to talk about more than schools. Yeah. That's you got to talk about more than schools and see what happened when your ass go against that machine that you thought had your back. Hey, listen, so, I, so I've never been to Memphis to actually experience the energy of being around Memphis lift, but hopefully that will come for us because, yo, that, I know that that experience <laughs> has got to be an amazing experience. Stop I know it. that how they, how, they, how they looked out for you, how they made sure. Shout out, said, Renee. Shout out, Tara. And how, and how, and how, how you, how, how you uh, propelled to the I love them. Of, the, of the hands. Uh, which I'm, I'm, I'm I've always I'm been Renee's me. favorite. You got some people that you they favorite. I've hey, always been Renee's hey, favorite. Get that hate out your get that hate out your system. What I will say is this: When I went to Indy, I felt the love. Brandon Brown, the folks that brought us to mm -hmm. Indy, Emory, I felt the love. When I went to Baton Rouge with Adonica, and the, I felt that we all felt absolutely. That love. Absolutely. To amplify with Corey Schultz and, 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 and uh, the Carpet Foundation, we felt that love. So, Absolutely. wherever we have gone, I feel like we felt the love, but like 
ain't no love like going to Memphis, bro. And so I feel like we need to all be in Memphis, man. Mama Sarah, are you listening to this show right now? Your they told us guy. they gave us an invitation to come back, just so yeah, you yeah. know. So, so we yeah. got the invitation. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He's just Renee saying that I was her favorite has hit him in the heart. It's okay. All right. All right. So all y'all want to talk about <laughs> hitting folks in the heart. Uh, here's one in the comments, because uh, this is one you know, for cancelable terms, right? Raiders might get you canceled, but uh, I've been canceled so, six times tonight. So Robin, so, so Robin Renee, first of all, Robin Renee said, "Don't go policing Dr. Cole's mouth." You know what he meant. There uh, you go. Listen, we I good, RRA. We I, good. I, I want to say, say we knew what he meant, and we still know what history meant about uh, about uh, Uncle Tom, and we think our children and our, our people should know what Uncle Tom uh, was about and stood for. Anyways, but. Uh, Robin Renee also says, but charters are neoliberal institutions. Oh, shit. And anytime I hear the word neoliberal, I'm I'm triggered because the one thing that nobody ever said to me in all my years and working with families in poverty was, you know what? You know, this neoliberal bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but it's 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 a way of seeing the world. It's a thing. And it's a way of seeing the world that becomes a trigger word for me. Anyways, how do y'all address the Neo, everything's neoliberal that that bro, seek to reform the traditional system, bro. Why, why, why? Yo, honestly, I only hear this shit from like black race, black female race scholars, <laughs> educated, highly educated people is usually who I hear it from. Like I never heard neoliberal. Like, like I can remember in the early days having to look it up several hey, times. Hey, Josh, get these negroes the screen, please. Can you get these negroes the screen? Nope, nope, nope. Get these negroes the screen. On. Leave Dr. Cole on <laughs> to talk about his neoliberal, his neoliberal connection. Hey, you can call you can call me neolib. I don't whatever. Like what listen, man. We again, I, I agree with you. I love Robin and I thank you for having my back. I disagree with that neoliberal. I mean, whatever, call it what you want. Things got whatever they have, but if you telling me that I got to be tied to a racist cabal that had got rid of all of our fine institutions, but when we actually find a power structure that we can infiltrate and get the things that we want to, at, on some level until we can get truly independent private black schools that we can send our kids to for free, I'm going to take advantage of any type of system that allows me the autonomy to teach and educate my babies the way they want to. You can call it neoliberal. You can call it capitalism. You can call it whatever you want, but don't call me dumb. <laughs> the only people who call it neoliberal stuff are people that work in institutions of higher learning uh, um, and and it's a very class-based way of looking at the world I, what do listen, we call what, what can we call bad traditional schools that's been bad for 80 years I mean listen can we come up with a term can we have a term that counters neoliberal because it dumb people came up with people have a entire language around defending the traditional system right well how do you and, whole, how and, and this, how this neoliberal thing is about markets and listen when i see a black person start a black charter school because they are sick and tired of black kids getting the short end of the stick and they hire black vendors to serve that school and they do a very good job with the kids and they create community and all this type of stuff you could call that market-based you could call it not market-based you could call it whatever white theorem that you want to use to apply to that but I do know that the teachers unions and the left and the people who are very invested, the pensionistas and the professors that love them, because let's be real, <laughs> the professors are unionized too. They are part of the sister apparatus. I am. I am a part they're of the, the sip. They're the sip sister apparatus 
uh, of that that thing. So they are not talking as uninvested people in the traditional traditional system. They have all these wild kind of like theorems, neoliberalism, blah, 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 whatever. You could call it whatever the hell you want to call it. I call it starting a goddamn school, starting another school because <laughs> because the schools that you have are trash. Right? I just don't love systems. I, I just don't like us caping or loving any system any one system if the traditional school yeah. is trash call it trash if that charter school is trash call it trash if that private school is trash call it trash whatever works for you whatever yeah. works if you like that traditional <laughs> no, school you get you know, it gets you to where you dr. want Robbins, dr robin is, is is threatening us now she said hey, hey, she hey, took hey, her earrings hey, off she was like hey, she's robin, like, hey, robin, robin, hey, people, i man. like robin i'm with her i'm sorry robin dash renee i'm with you but the point that i'm making is again i am not in a space morally or on the scoreboard where i can actually pick as a black man what systems i like and don't like None of them work for us. It started even before slavery, man. But when slavery happened, that's the first system that just was not for us. And from then on, everything is kind of written from that. This it, same with this school system, the same way we don't see the native boy start out in native garb. And then he is westernized in his own homeland that we took from them. I'm not playing that game in caping. Listen, man, I grew up in public housing. My granny wasn't saying my aspiration is for you to grow up and also be in public housing. I want you to have choices. I want you to right. be able to own something. You know, yo, no parent. But you know no what? But Section that. 8, no Section 8 is neoliberal. Section 8 takes public money and puts it in the private home markets and the private housing market. That's neo neoliberalism. So Section 8 you, your granny was wrong. You should have just stayed in, in the projects, bro. Like the projects nah. was, you know, public, public housing, bro. Hey, you she know. a neoliberal that love her baby and would do anything for me to be where I need to be, even though she didn't have the education herself, even though she didn't. See, this the thing, a discernment, man. Like they done all the shit that we have that's in our DNA and in our blood around discernment and the spirit and all that stuff, man. We don't let these people water that shit down. We don't took these white people talking points that they used to put us down. And now when we building our own stuff we the main obstacle for black people to educate us we out here standing and and and, and trying to stop people from ray from running schools that's actually testing kids and making sure kids are learning so it's like yeah. well what is the test learning doing da, 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 da. guess what if you go to ray's school we do a test in the beginning to see what a kid is and then at the end of the year and in the middle of the year i need to see if you're a good damn teacher well, and along there's way, no discernment i'll tell you why there's no discernment crazy man i'll tell you why there's no discernment you took Jesus out to schools. <laughs> man, hey, wrap this show up. <laughs> hey, let me tell you what never left my school. Jesus never left my, look, Jesus I'm never left my home. You. Corporal Jesus punishment didn't leave my home. <laughs> it's a whole lot that didn't leave my home, man. Hey, but for me and my home is what they say, right? So anyway. All right. Well, listen, y'all. This has been, I think, an energetic and fun show. <laughs> I think we have, uh, we have honored our topic well yeah. but i think we should end with just like any of your final cancelable thoughts that have came out of tonight and even in the interactions of what you saw in the comments uh and anything we didn't touch on take a minute or two to kind of like wrap on uh on this show we're gonna close this out our canceled show and we'll see tomorrow for canceled <laughs> well if this is goodbye i will go ahead and go <laughs> it might be but this is what you need to understand about me i grew up to two Dauphine parents that got themselves clean, but they was Dauphines at one point, in the projects with my grandmother, um, poor, homeless, lived in a bunch of shelters, 
And in this racist ass country, in this racist ass place, I was still able to utilize education in some type of way to change the trajectory of my life, even though it is imperfect. And I am not caping for this racist ass system. What the point that I'm making is I've been able to travel to other hoods. I've been able to travel out this country and see things and see kids in much dire, much more dire straits than I've been in. I will never give up my agency. I will never give up my ability to make choices. And I'll never give up my right to be honest and to be forward and loving on my community and my people. And if that means that I got a few less friends, guess what? I came in with not many friends to begin with. I don't need it. I don't need it. And here's the thing. I do my job and I do it really damn well. And I don't need to be friends with the people that I work with. But what I do need is I need you to respect me as a man and as a human and as somebody who does know how to read and who's quite literate that is making strides to better his community. So before you come for me, before you come for Ray, before you come for Sharif and before you come for Chris, check my jacket and check their jacket. Check about the hundreds or thousands of black kids that I have tried to help and that I have helped or the families that I've worked and dedicated my life to helping. Before you got something to say, because a lot of y'all are keyboard warriors that ain't did shit and you can't beat my ass. But I say this with love. If you have some things that you want to say, if you have some things that you believe and it is about our people and you've read about our ancestors and what they had to go through, you ain't threatened by that much. You threatened by some mean tweets. You're threatened by some mean social media. But are they me and my dad ain't the closest. And I know this is long winded, but I got to stop and honor this. I was nervous as a social worker one day and I was tripping. I was scared. I was the youngest one there. And he was just he just asked me, what you nervous about? I'm like, man, I'm just new. I'm young. And they think I'm one of the kids. And he said, well, is anybody going to beat your ass? And I said, well, no. He said, well, nigga, what you scared of? So with that, Charles Cole Jr., we ain't the best of friends. But that bit of advice is probably one of the reasons why I have taken the chances and taken the risk and become the man that I am today. That and my education. So. That's my final thought, just in case it's the last time I see y'all. I love it. And, you know, <laughs> we're going to pass it on. And and if you want to get the nigga what you scared of t-shirt, it's at charlesoldafford.com. <laughs> if yeah. you want to get that t-shirt. My daddy's a deacon now, but he used to sell dope. So, you know, that's how we used to but talk. But now he's a deacon. See, he brought Jesus yeah. back. Mr. Ankrum. Yes, sir. So, man, so, so for me, it, it, it's rolling like this. I was a sophomore in high school. It was right after basketball season. And um, and I had uh, made a couple of mistakes in terms of um, what I was doing at the time. And so, like, I was hustling in the streets. Um, I ended up uh, getting in trouble. And so, you know, these folks, you know, in Louisiana, like, once you make a mistake in Louisiana, man, it, it, it's, it's, it's doors, doors are shut for you, right? Um, Thinking about going to uh, the Catholic school, which doesn't which doesn't have the same track as the traditional public school, and that would allow someone that was expelled from a traditional public school to be able to attend um, the Catholic school. And the white folks was like, "Nah, you're not coming over here to play ball over here because then that's going to take playing time from our white kids or whatever, right?" And so Mom Dukes, who's in in the audience right now, was like, "Nah, you ain't going to prison, so you might as well just come to New York." And so the fact that she believed in me to the point to where she was like, yo, my son is not going to prison and I'm going to do everything that I need to do in order to keep him on the right path. She's always preached to me and my brother 
that education is the pinnacle and that's what's going to get you out of poverty and that's what's going to keep you uh keep keep the lights on for you um that's the lessons that i instill in my kids in terms of like you know what's gonna what's what's gonna make them um be able to escape generational poverty even though everything is being handed to them not like how it was for me right we struggled uh but one thing that my mother taught me that um that i I try to teach my kids is that you know you got to love people right and you got to give people chances you got to give people opportunities i've given so many people opportunities to fuck me over right and um i still continue to believe in folks and that might be a weakness but it's definitely something that i continue to do and i continue to learn from um just striving to be a better person every day, man. Um, that's that's the that's the road that I'm on. And like when we do shows like this, when we could be ourselves and we could be authentic, and you know, regardless of if we get canceled or regardless of you know whatever, like we have so much agency in this work. We have so so much in our jackets to where you know we have accomplished so much to where can you really cancel us, right? And so the fact that we can be freedom fighters and talk the talk that we talk. And then still wake up tomorrow and then go and 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 make the lives of others better. Man, this was one of the most powerful shows for me because like it, it really brought us back to the essence of like where we're trying to be moving forward. And so, Chris, thank you for the amount of effort that you put into this show. Uh fellas, thank you know, everybody, re, even Reef for uh how we promoted the show and audience members, man. Thank y'all for sending in uh everything that you felt like could be uh, could be a cancelable thing. This was an amazing show for me, and thank y'all for all the energy in the audience. Appreciate y'all. Um, well, I appreciate all that. This, to me, is like one of the more fun shows. Like, actually, literally, literally hearing what y'all believe and not having, mm-hmm. like, such a structure that it is where we just have to, like, talk our parts, whatever. But really, like, hearing what you believe. And I think people appreciate that like when they listen to the show, that it's a real discussion, when it's a real discussion. My wrap up on this, I'll say, is like, you can't cancel everybody. And right now, I think that there is a movement afoot to cancel and scapegoat entire groups of people. And it's being passed in legislation, which to me is my biggest red flag. We could talk about a lot of things tonight. It's very important that our kids have uh, tomorrow, that when they go to school, that they have competent teachers with a coherent educational philosophy, strong curriculum, strong systems, strong ways of assessing and improving and proving what is going on in those schools and ways for parents to understand the numbers, understand what the information so that we can all do a better job of helping our kids. Every kid needs that tomorrow. That's not going to stop being important. That was important 10 years ago. That was important 50 years ago. It's going to be important today and it's going to be important 10 years from now. But we're in a different time right now. There's a different set of circumstances that are starting to happen. So we are canceling uh, trans kids and trans families. We are canceling um, leftists and and families who want an accurate reading of their own history. We're we're canceling books and we're canceling authors who actually are, are part of the American story. And once you start canceling more and more and more and more of those people, you start creating what will be, in my mind, the next movement because you can't cancel everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a very specific right-wing, white nationalist, monoracial, monopolitical movement in education right now to piss off white women in suburbs um, to the extent that they will support and, and, and elect candidates who will do the finishing on us in terms of structural changes. 
right? So we're about to go into a time period to me that looks like the, the after period of reconstruction was years ago. And we have to be mindful of it. We have to educate ourselves and we have to do our jobs and we have to do everything, but you can't cancel everybody, right? So if I'm worried about being canceled and you're worried about being canceled and there's another group over here, maybe all the canceled people need to start working together to save number one, their democracy, number two, their systems, and number three, their kids, right? Like, like the only people that have representation in that thing that I just mentioned are racist white kids. Those are the only ones who have any kind of leaders in that other movement. That other movement is just for them. Um, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, white kids. That's who, who that movement is for and their families, the families that love them. The second coming of Jim, Jim and Jane Crow. Um, <clears throat> so cancel me. I've been canceled before multiple times. I say stuff all the time people don't like. But this is what I'm going to tell you right now. Uh, I'm going to tell you that like, um, uh, <laughs> I believe in justice and I believe in God. And I believe that none of those things are ever meant to win. Those things might win short-term battles, but we're always going to win the longer war. So we always have to keep hope and, and band together and work for the most inclusive, biggest system that will work for the most number of people. That is the mission, and that's what we have to do. But we also have to tell some truths to each other now. The truth is that the blueprint for American public education has been uh, inequitable and wrong for many years. The way that we draw school lines, school boundaries, the way that we induct teachers, the way that we induct curriculum, all of it needs revitalizing and changing. And the people who have defended it most from reform actually need to start giving up a little bit now, too. They need to start opening up the two. If we're going to have a big camp, we have to be honest about the fact that this has been a very racist system. The boundaries, the lines, the, the, the way that we do resources and everything has always been wrong. So there's got to be reconciliation, but there's got to be truth before the reconciliation if we're going to have this next big movement that's going to counter the anti-democratic movement. So, um, so cancel me if you will. We're not pulling teachers from the top end of the cognitive pool, but parents aren't doing all that they need to be doing either. Our kids aren't saints and angels. They're driving half the teachers to drink and want to do drugs. Um, there's lots of things going on in the schools that shouldn't be going on right now. Uh, and everything I can tell you bad about the schools, I will end it by saying, but still tomorrow, the majority of all our kids are going to walk into that system. So we don't need to be befriending people who are trying to destroy the very system that our kids are going to be in tomorrow and next week and the week after. So it could be as messed up as it wants to be, but we're still going to need to fix it and improve it and create new opportunities inside and out of it. But we don't need to work with the people whose only job are to be racial and social and political arsonist, to burn everything down so that the only thing standing and left is racist white people in power. That's all I got to say. Uh, we appreciate y'all for, uh, for coming to the show once again. Go forth and be free. Put Jesus back in the school. Do your job. Read the pound cake speech. Um, Jesus. <laughs> That's Christian. That's all Christian. Go ahead. You know, fight for kids, uh, no matter where they come from or what kind of family that they have. No, nobody's to be scapegoated uh, and to be canceled. And if eight black hands gets canceled, listen, we're the last line of defense on the truth telling of black males in education. So it ain't going to happen. Dr. Dr. Cole, can I can I get an affirmation from you, Mr. Ankrum, that uh, that's what no, it might happen. It, it might. That's what these hands are dedicated to. It might. It might. But go ahead. Ray got your affirmation. 
I'll put it this way: the reason we came together is because we have all been canceled before. This is true, one way or another. That that Absolutely. was that was that was our bond. So, anyways, thank you all. Love you as a family for coming on these nights and sharing this time with us. We appreciate you as always. We'll see you next week with another another episode, another great show. Peace, peace.